As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. It's wonderful that so many of you are able to join our online services, which combine archive recordings of our choir and congregation with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons. For this reason, we shall continue to broadcast these services each Sunday, even though we've now resumed our 11am choral Eucharist in St Bride's itself. Not all of you are able to join us in person for reasons of distance or because you need to take particular care of your health, but we know that you are very much with us in spirit. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone?
with you. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 17th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Almighty God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Pour your love into our hearts, and draw us to yourself, and so bring us at last to your heavenly city, where we shall see you face to face, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, beginning at the first verse. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labour and do all your work. Honour your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance, and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you, and to put a fear of him upon you, so that you do not sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at the fourth verse. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slave to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one killed another and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, but they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard the parables, they realised that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds, because they regarded him as a prophet. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you were to travel back in time and visit St Bride's in the days before the bombing raid of December 1940 completely destroyed the interior of our building, you would be surprised at how very different this church looked on the inside back in those days. And one of the differences would be what you would see behind me here, because in the pre-war church on either side of our altar were a pair of very large wooden plaques. One of them headed Exodus and the other chapter 20, displaying between them the words of the Ten Commandments which we heard as our first reading this morning. These Decalogue boards, as they are called, are common in churches of the 17th and 18th centuries. And there's a reason for that. 
1602, the Church of England ruled that, and I quote, the Ten Commandments be set upon the east end of every church and chapel where the people may best see and read the same. So, at every service that they ever attended here, our predecessors at St. Bride's would have had the full text of the Ten Commandments staring them in the face, leaving them in absolutely no doubt about the conduct that was expected of them. There really was no escape. In modern times, the Ten Commandments seem to have had a bit of a bad press in certain quarters, possibly not helped by the fact that in days of yore, the church used them in precisely that kind of menacing way. When I was involved in ministerial training some years ago, I can remember some of my students complaining that as a set of guidelines for how one should live, they seem so overwhelmingly negative, a long list of thou shalt nots. They're all about what you mustn't do, I was told. We need something much more positive and aspirational these days. But I can't help feeling that that kind of response actually misses the point about what the Ten Commandments are and what they are for. And part of the reason for that misunderstanding is that when we read them, we almost always start in the wrong place, as indeed the Decalogue boards might be said to do, which is to go straight in with the first of the commandments. You shall have no other God but me. You see, it strikes me that the place where one ought to start is with the sentence that comes immediately beforehand, a sentence that is frequently overlooked, but is, in fact, where our Old Testament reading this morning happens to begin, which is with these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In other words, when God delivers the Ten Commandments, he begins by reminding the Israelites of what he has already done for them, liberating them from slavery in Egypt, which alerts us to the fact that the Ten Commandments are not simply any old set of rules that God saw fit to impose upon his chosen nation. Rather, they are a charter for a newly freed people, a people that previously had known nothing but slavery. They are guidelines to enable his liberated people to continue to live in freedom and to help ensure that they do not fall into slavery again. Seen from this perspective, as a warning against the things that can so easily enslave us, the Ten Commandments start to read rather differently and do indeed have a voice that, is that it is extremely important for us to hear today. So, let's explore that notion for a moment, reflecting in particular on what they might teach us about the true nature of freedom. 
You shall have no other gods before me. Human beings seem to have an inbuilt need to worship something. And so if it isn't God, it is very likely to be something else instead. Wealth or power or success or influence or sexual gratification. The kinds of things that can so easily become obsessions. And when our obedience to their pursuit becomes the driving force in our lives and the thing that gives our existence focus and meaning, it can so easily, in the process, distort our priorities, wreck our relationships, and even end up eroding our basic humanity. I suspect that we have all encountered individuals who have ended up being enslaved by such things. We may even be aware of such forces at work within our own lives. And, interestingly, although not the primary point of the parable we heard in this morning's Gospel reading, note that the story that Jesus tells is of a group of tenants whose greed and covetousness leads them into ever more violent and murderous acts. For six days you shall labour. When I first moved here to Fleet Street six years ago this month, back in the days when offices were still full of people, one of the things that startled me most was observing the working hours that were kept by so many of them. They were chained to their desks far into the night, not merely from Monday to Friday, but even throughout the weekends. Late on a Sunday evening, I would see people still glued to their computers, and however much money they were earning by being there, I couldn't help thinking that what I was seeing was just another form of slavery. And then there is the burden that can come when one gets caught up in a tangled web of deceit, whether through bearing false witness or through infidelity, for example. There is the slavery that comes from being consumed by covetousness, and so on and so forth. It is worth reading through the Ten Commandments and identifying how many different kinds of slavery we are being warned about in its precepts. In the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus begins with the charge to Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. And we soon discover that the Israelites were actually very reluctant to hear that promise of freedom because, we are told, their spirit was broken. It is indeed the case that sometimes it can be so much easier to remain enslaved than to summon the energy and the courage to break free. And of course, we can become so accustomed to the chains that bind us that eventually we lose sight of the fact that we are enslaved at all. Conversely, we can also devalue and abuse the true meaning of freedom. A couple of Saturdays ago, I went to visit the bookshop in Trafalgar Square 
and stumbled across the big rally protesting against the wearing of masks and against other anti-COVID restrictions. And looking at the banners that the protesters were waving alongside signs that proclaimed seriously loony conspiracy theories, a recurrent motif was basically this. The requirement that I wear a mask is a violation of my human rights and my personal freedom. But hang on just a moment. There is a basic problem and a fundamental confusion underlying that kind of assumption and attitude. I was brought up to understand that, with the exception of children and the most vulnerable in society who are completely dependent upon others for their protection and welfare, rights are always accompanied by responsibilities. This means that I cannot demand that my rights are honoured to the letter without also taking some account of how that will impact upon the rights of others. There will, of course, always be difficulties of balance and interpretation here, particularly where the issues are complex. But human beings are designed for life in community, for life in society, for life in relationship. That is how we flourish. And if our perceived rights can only be secured at the expense of the welfare and well-being of others, that is surely no kind of flourishing at all. Today, the 4th of October, is the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Our parish pilgrimage back in April 2018 took us to Italy, where we spent a day in Assisi, including a visit to St. Francis Hermitage. The day we were there was unusually busy. It was a public holiday. And yet, despite that, it really was possible to get a sense both of the man and the place. Managing to find a quiet place away from the bustling centre for a few minutes, I became acutely aware of the beauty of creation around me, and I was reminded of the joy and delight that Francis was able to take in the most simple things in life. He was a man born into wealth and privilege, and yet he chose to relinquish all of that in order to embrace a life of poverty, a life without possessions, a life without status, a life that brought joy and peace and inspiration into the lives of others, a life that really was truly free. I'm currently reading my way through the works of the 17th century Anglican and writer on spirituality, Thomas Traherne. And a couple of days ago, I was very struck by a phrase in one of his works. Traherne wrote that it is God's intention for us that, and I quote, we are to grow rich, not by seeking what we want, but by enjoying what we have. It is madness to despise blessings because they are present. And thanks 
be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Thinking of the life-giving force of our harvest, we pray for the health of our farms, allotments, gardens, and the small patches of fertility, such as those which can be found on balconies or roofs where food is grown. We pray with sadness in our hearts because we pay not pick and share the fruits of our cultivation with those desperately in need of sustenance due to the restrictions on contact necessitated by the pandemic. We look forward to celebrating the harvest next year with abundance and joy, praying and sharing side by side. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray, dear Lord, that those who are trying to handle the many quandaries concerning the pandemic will behave with competence, common sense and maturity, doing as they would be done by thinking of the future as well as the present, cognizant of the fact that people need people to touch and to hold, and with whom they can laugh and cry face to face. Screens are not the same as flesh. Let there be systems to help reduce the need for isolation. We pray for the students at university, hoping that they will be able to enjoy their years studying questioning, discovering new horizons, befriending face-to-face, -face, not through waves and wires. We pray for their welfare in isolation. We pray for all those who are not well, who fear that their bodies may be permanently weakened, 
that they may soon feel strong and healthy, that our prayers will give them the strength to wake up one morning and feel their bodies smiling. We pray for the people of America who are embarking on an election trail, the outcome of which will affect all of us on earth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those working in the media who risk their lives to highlight justice and injustice. In our Christian community, we pray for the congregation and pastor, Barbara Newbert of St. Paul's Church in Berlin. We pray for Alison and Jeff, our vergers, our staff, our choir. May they soon be singing before us. We pray for those in our community who cannot be with us in the pews because they are self-isolating or lack transport. We pray for all those who are with us this day in spirit whom we have not yet met. We pray one day we will meet them and share biscuits and tea. We pray for an end to uncertainty and fear and the birth of new ways of living which will allow us to hold each other when we are happy and sad, knowing that our Lord will always be with us. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us and make us continually to be given to all good works through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us 
with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always Amen, Amen. 